Well, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland. And as always, uh, we are joined by our illustrious panel. Uh, we have Rob Washam, John Somsky, Jim Reed, Chris Jones, and Taylor Moss in the house. Uh, we want to thank our official sponsor, Running Aces Racetrack Casino and Hotel, and our other podcast sponsors, Learn Pro Poker and Website Amp. This is episode 179, and today we got the guys from Post Flop Poker. We got Ben Hale, we got Merv Harvey in the house from uh, from uh, nether regions of the world. Uh, let's bring them in. Mark, Ben, where are you guys uh, calling in from? Go ahead, Merv. <laughs> uh, my, Age before beauty, I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might be furthest away. Uh, so coming from Sydney, uh, Australia. Um I'm currently in the beautiful seaside uh, town of Manly. So uh, our, our suburb's just starting to buzz again. We've got 10 people allowed in restaurants at a time, maximum two hours. Uh, yeah, everyone thinks that's party time <laughs> compared to what we used to have, so right. what we've had for the past few months. So, um, yeah, the places, places are buzzing and a beautiful day outside. The beach is there. It's sort of... I think it's probably like the same sort of climate as uh, just south of Los Angeles, maybe. Um, picture long beaches, sand, sun. Lovely. Sick break. Sick break. Yeah. We're, we're in Minnesota, <laughs> most of us. Minnesota and Canada. So, oh, it's just like Southern California. It's just like that. Uh, that's fantastic. How about you, Ben? Where are you at today? I'm in Bangkok in my home and it, Merv does this to me every single episode on our podcast. You know, he talks about how beautiful it is in Sydney and, uh, you know, I'm stuck in my condo. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least there's consistency there. At least you know what to expect from him. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. He's very, he's very colorful with his descriptions. <laughs> well, we were we were super excited to have you guys on. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, and it's obviously the time zones are, are one of the hurdles that we have to overcome. We've got Bangkok, we got Sydney, we got uh, Central Time here in the U.S., but we're super excited to have you guys on because we we just love how you guys do things. We think that you know we're, we're speaking the same language in a lot of different ways, talking to recreational players, and just kind of having fun doing it. And you know, I had the opportunity to hang out with you guys for a while, you know, a few weeks ago. And like, man, these guys are these guys are really cool dudes. So uh, we were super excited to have you guys on. So why don't you, uh, for the folks that are listening to our show that aren't familiar with the Post Flop Poker Podcast, maybe they're not as familiar with with Mervin Ben. Tell us a little bit of your your origin story. How did Post Flop come to be? How did you guys get connected? Tell us a little bit about. Where did this come from? Well, I guess I'll, I'll start and then I'll bring Merv in when, when Merv arrives in the story. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I was a, a reasonably successful poker player um, from 2004 through to uh, 2012, 13, 14. And I started branching out into, into the world of coaching. Um, and in 2015, I wrote uh, the, the books Post Flop Volumes 1 and 2. And that is what spawned the podcast because uh, off the back of it, uh, we just thought, you know, it's a really good way of um, getting it out there. And the, the podcast has just become something so special to, to me. And uh, we're, we've just done episode 104 uh, so uh, you, you know what it's like it's, uh, it's, everyone is an achievement and you feel a sense of pride and um, yeah I've been buzzing Merv joined uh, I don't know it was around episode 28 was yeah, it Merv? Yeah. 
something yeah. something in that really so Mo's been with me for um a large part of the journey we've always been a a kind of anglo aussie podcast from the very beginning i had an australian chap in charge with me um and so i was delighted when i got merv on board to keep that going because that, that differentiates us a little bit we haven't got those american accents and um a, f- a few people appreciate the, the different accents we've had on the show. We, we had a, a Dutch fellow on for, what, 70-odd episodes, and um, it, he was very entertaining with his Dutch accent. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a podcast we, we're very, very similar to yours in, in that we direct it in a jovial way um, at the recreational player. It's not, not super serious, but we do do a lot of hand analysis. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a pretty decent intro. Merv, what have you got to add? Uh, well, I, I guess when I came on board, uh, the, we were going through the chapters of the post-flop book one by one and, uh, we had nearly got to the end of the chapters in the book and it became a question of where, where do we go from here? We're going to run out of chapters. And I had a long list of people that uh, I really wanted to chat to and I thought oh, maybe we can get them onto the podcast so uh, and uh, a, a bit like as you know Steve getting poker players available at a particular time and lining them up and having them be there um, you know you never know they're still going they could still be in the tournament uh, they could be regging right. for another tournament they uh, yeah, we, we've we've had them on, and like they're they're waiting. The, they're in the lobby of a. Of a remember, yeah. we, we, remember that one we had? Kenna Kenna was on. He took a break. He left his stack. He came to talk with us for a while while he's in the lobby of the hotel. And and you're right. Like the the one minute leading up to the thing, you don't know are they going to show up? Or are they not? You just don't know. Yeah. It's it can be a struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So it, it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure of mine being able to kind of uh, find guests that we can get on at the same time as. Uh, myself in Sydney, Ben in Bangkok for a while there. Uh, we had Mike in, in the Netherlands and you often usually an American guest. So crossing yeah. four time zones and uh, it's just been excellent. Uh, I've really, really loved everyone that we, we've got on and um, yeah, watching your podcast grow too, uh, Steve, and seeing the, the, the sort of guests that you're getting on, it's, it's yeah, it's like a... Yeah, it's an inspiration to me as well. Well, it's super uh, fun. I know we, we talked about this off the air a little bit, just sort of like, you know, kid in a candy store, right? I mean, it's super fun to talk uh, poker and, you know, and you guys have had success on your on your own accord, but it's always fun to talk to other people that have done amazing things and it, it's pretty humbling and it's pretty nice that they're willing to to give some give some time to us and try to, you know, I think like our job, like like your guys' job, my job in some degree is, is you know, how do we translate that? How do we make that accessible to you know, the, the people that are playing their bar leagues, their home games, and, and mm. kind of bring those experiences, uh, you know, to, to everybody who sort of just dreams of, of playing with these folks someday. So I think yeah. it's a pretty fun opportunity for us to be in that spot. Exactly. And, and one of the best things is that uh, we discover that these guests that uh, may be, you know, super high up in the media world, um, they're just regular people as well. And when they get a chance yeah. to chat to us and, and pass on some of their, their background and their history and all the different, um, yeah, I guess all the different stories and different tips. Uh, yeah, I, I just just love it. Get so much from, out of every uh, episode, and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Love it. 
Well, it's been uh, it's been a one one of my favorite podcasts for a long time. I'm not like the great Chad McVean, the superhuman podcast <laughs> listener, and uh, John Somsky here on our panel also is an avid yeah. uh, podcast reviewer. But I listened I listened to a few poker podcasts, okay, and uh, I will say yours clearly has the catchiest music. So you know, you listen to a lot of podcasts, you hear a lot of jingles, you hear a lot of bumpers. But I will say, unreservedly, we don't give out a lot of awards here, Murph. No, but if we're going to give out an award on the podcast, I think I'd have to give it to you guys for the music alone. So well done, a little a little award uh, for you guys. Fantastic! Oh. So that's amazing. We've only been on ten minutes. We've got an award, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't take much, you know. We've, you know, we've actually given Taylor Moss a pin for winning something too. So it's, you know, just kind of whatever. Just kind of take it in stride. We just kind of they're a dime yeah. a dozen. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll send you a we'll send you a rec poker pin maybe for your your award playing music. Oh, but yes. <laughs> well, 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 one of the it things that we birthday. like to do is, uh, yeah, is it your actual birthday today, or well, did you just well, recently have it? In America, it still is because it's May eighteenth there, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Whereas here, it's May nineteenth. So I actually had my birthday yesterday. I started celebrating it on Saturday night because we could go out and have a dinner at, at a restaurant uh, with my partner. Uh, so I, I, I have this uh, long tradition of stretching my birthday out as long as possible from the very first wish that you get <laughs> from someone that remembers it sometime in May to the family get together that you haven't got around to getting and it happens in June. So that way I have like a month sort of well, birthday this, celebration. This seems like this is probably why you have friends around the world so that you can start your birthday and then basically have it last for 48 <laughs> yes. hours. Oh, I'm going to go on a podcast the day after my birthday, and they they'll they'll, be, they'll think it's my birthday, and they can celebrate. And I see how it is. Well, one of the things that we love to do, guys, we love to we love to break down hands too. I mean, we love to chat and catch up. But one of the things that we just love to do, and I know you guys do a lot of this, is is breaking down hands. And so, if you guys are willing, we'd love to kind of jump into one and, and start tackling that with you. Definitely, definitely. All right, Chris, you want to take us there? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of your podcast as well. I'm excited for um, to talk about this hand. So thanks for being here thanks. with us. Wow. Um, this this hand actually is something that we we kind of have monthly uh, topics that we talk about as a group. Um, and we've been uh, looking a lot at sort of ICM implications, sort of big decisions. Um, but I thought this was interesting because it, it's both an ICM spot, but it also has a lot of post-flop uh, discussion, which I think is where we, we really value your your sort of vision and expertise. So um, this is from a really uh, big tournament, but it's one that uh, had both rec players and, you know, the, the best of the best. It was that PSPC, the Platinum Pass uh, tournament that they had in, I think, the Bahamas, um, where you could win. A, it was a $25,000 buy-in, but you, they gave away all those Platinum Passes around. Um, and so this is the final table. Um, we have five left in, in the tournament. Uh, the next player gets $1.3 million and the winner gets $5.1 million. Um, and the table has one kind of table captain with 90 big blinds and everyone else is sort of, there's no real short stack and everyone else is kind of fighting, uh, sort of in the middle, um, the rest of them and we're going to take the perspective in this hand from of the big blind so we're in the big blind um the blinds are 150k 300k with a 300k uh big blind ante uh and we have 9.98 million in chips so we have a decent uh stack but it's not one that we're you know st- need to be um 
messing around with too much, but I will say this, and one of the things that I think we're, which recreational players, myself included, can find ourselves getting into trouble is um, where we find ourselves um, with a, with having been really dormant for a while, having had been card dead for a while, um, not having taken much action, especially at a final table or in a big spot like this. And we're seen as the tightest player at the table um, for sure. Like everyone else has been very active and this player in the big blind has basically not played a hand yet um, and has gotten down from nine to five. So that's some background context for this. So we're sitting there in the big blind uh, and we have ace of spades, five of spades. Um, and the cutoff opens to 650K. Um, and um, what's, what's our, I mean, this is pre-flop, I know, but what's our, what's our thought here? So the button and small blind fold. Yes, yeah, so the button and small blind fold. Yeah. So now we've, we're facing and one player. We can be heads up. We can call. We could fold or we can, yeah. we can raise here. So I want to know a little bit about the cutoff and, and his tournament situation. Uh, if you could, do you, do you have the stack size? Yeah, Has he got uh, the, the stack size of the uh, cutoff he just barely covers us. He has uh, 10.2 million. Uh, so we're really neck and neck. We have about the same stack size, but he just barely does cover us. And I will tell you, he's a platinum pass winner for what that ever that means. So um, won his way in one way or another. Did not um, did not plunk down the 25k to be there. Um, and so you know, and has been more active than us at the table for sure. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, this is a spot where we we should not be folding. Um, so we're we're mainly working out whether we should be calling off three betting, and um, I think with the ICM implications the way they are, it does favor calling because you you want to play a small part, and so does your opponent. And there's quite a good chance that that's going to take place by pot control through the hand. Um, now, there's a flip side. Of course, you, if you three bet, you're applying pressure and you're more likely to make your opponent fold. But it is risky uh, with an ace five of, of spades. It's a risky move. If you are going to three bet, I think you can go quite large and really aim to make your opponent fold his hand. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, an, you've got a relatively comfortable fold if, um, you know, obviously if you four bets or. Uh, if the post flop goes horribly uh, wrong, um, yeah. So I would be kind of seventy five percent on the call. There. Merv, any? Yeah, I'm pretty much on team call as well. Uh, putting three fifty k more into the pot, which will, uh, yeah. Then we've got stacked pot ratios still around. I think around five ish. Um, I see that as much better than, as you say, if you're going to raise three bet, it's got to be biggish and you might have to be prepared to fold as well. If they yeah. do call that biggish three bet, then the stacked pot ratio is starting to look not so. I mean, yeah. So, you, you do. Ben, I, I mean, you can. Sorry, I think there's, you know, one, one question. I know we tried to cut you off there. We have a little timing issue, but no. I'm, I'm curious, you know, you kind of went over quickly saying, you know, it's just, this is not a spot where we should be folding. And, and I agree with you in that spot, but I think for a lot of recreational players, we hear all of this stuff about ICM and ICM and ICM and there's five players left and there's only one big stack. And, you know, I think a lot of players might be saying, why not just fold here? 
I mean, you know, clearly I think we have enough hand equity, but I think a lot of people will be like, why not just fold? So maybe address that question as part of this. There's a, there's a line where you just, you, you know, you, you can play tight, but you can't overfold to that extent because you're just throwing away um, your opportunity to win the tournament. And you really need to keep your eye on winning the tournament despite the ICM. There's these two pressures on you and you, mu you mustn't get drawn into being too defensive. And that's the main, the main reason. That, that prize money for winning is so insane. You've got to give yourself the opportunity to win. I mean, make a deal, make a deal. Because <laughs> you've got here and, and if it's life-changing money, then you know, make a deal. But if you're in the middle of the hand, you can't make a deal. So yeah, um, you, yeah you've, got to, you've got to be brave. And, and you know, if, you, if you find yourself in a spot where you're playing for uncomfortable amounts of money like this, um, it's very, very important to focus on the, the the dual pressures that are going on. Not not just get drawn into the one pressure of okay, I'm I'm under ICM pressure myself. I need to to keep falling. You're also in a spot where you want to win first prize, and that can never drift from your thoughts. Yeah, I think that's that, that's exactly what comes out. I think you know we hear these all things, but there's always these competing factors. One is ICM. We want to be smart. We you know be a disaster to lose in this spot. But I think sometimes we can overweight that. You know, it's all these yeah. competing factors, and how much weight do you give each factor? And I think sometimes uh, there there's this this element of shrinking up, and I think part of that is because of we just overvalue ICM and we undervalue being able to put ICM pressure on others, and we undervalue, like you said top prize like it's just so much bigger than third or fourth or fifth yeah and how do you guys view the number of players that are left on the table because chris you said there's five players left currently yep, there's five left and like, one big stack and everyone else is around that kind of 30 big blind range would it would it yeah. be safer to say that we'd be much tighter if we had more people left in the field is that how you guys view it I personally would still be looking to uh, to call. If I'm closing the action, I've got 30 bigs. It's going to cost me one and a bit bigs. The difference between 29 and 30 bigs at this point is not huge. Uh, so I think it's well worth um, chucking in, especially with a hand like Ace-5 suited. Uh, you really can get, if you get a good flop, great. Um, you're in if it's if you whiff it then it's a simple fold and you've got 29 bigs left instead uh if, if it was something like a six off a seven off uh, that's when i would be probably considering the team fold and just uh, saying no this hand's not i'm going to be under pressure if an ace does come in case i'm out kicked um yeah but those those little uh ace suited hands yeah i'd, I'd love to see a flop with uh for the cost of one more big and into a pot 1.7 mil. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, the pot odds are, are just so good. And the, the size of the raise is attractive for, for the pot odds. And, and you've got your, your aunties in. So, I mean, you, you know, you've got to really stick around. Uh, and the, the call is just made really attractive. So I think how, how much should you be three betting? How often should you be three betting compared with calling? I think you have to call quite often here, mm -hmm. just because of the because of the pot odds. If the raise size is, is a higher amount, then you need to actually three bet more often. 
um, and consider folding sometimes as well, you know, and it's, that's just the way it is. When somebody starts min-raising 2.25xing into your big blind, you have to defend with a lot of hands. I was curious, um, what were the stack sizes of the button and the small blind going into this? What was he raising into, in other words? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the big stack was on the um the big oh no yeah the big stack had folded so the okay. button and, and uh small blind were not the big stack so they're all about about this uh 30 big blind yeah. 35 it's, big blind i think you know one of them had 40 it was kind of like okay. 35 yeah. okay. 32 30 whatever but it's in that range yeah okay so he felt pretty comfortable raising into these stacks because he he wasn't going to be raising into the big chip leader. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Well, and so um, actually I think this hand gets even, I mean, this is a good discussion, but I think uh, as we're talking to the post-flop poker guys, uh, this hand gets more interesting post-flop. So uh, in actuality, our, our hero does call. Um, and so we go to a flop and the flop comes king of diamonds, three of diamonds, two of spades. So we've got uh, backdoor spades, we've got a gut shot, uh, but not much else. Um, and we're first to act. And I think this is where, um, well, I'm, I'm not going to lead the witness. So let's, let's talk about what, what, we're, what we're doing here first. And then I'll tell you what our, our hero does. There's a lot of options. <laughs> There's a lot of options in this kind of spot. Um, it's... It's a flop where if you if you examine both ranges, they're they're, they're quite wide, and you know you, you when you're dividing up what you're going to do, you can choose a lot of different hands to make different moves within this kind of this kind of spot. A, a lot's going to depend on how I think my opponent's going to react, um, but you should probably be sticking around. You know, <laughs> that's that's the truth of it. Uh, whether you go with a check calling line or you even pull the trigger on a check raise, which would be kind of quite attractive in some ways here. Um, I, I mean, leading out, it depends on your strategy. If you ever don't lead flops in this kind of spot, I probably would never do it here. Um, I would be looking at, you know, what what am I what am I check raising against this guy? Um, what's my range look like? And yeah, maybe maybe pulling a trigger because I think you can make him fold a lot of his hands here with the check raise. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm probably coming from a bit more conservative place. Uh, I'm looking to probably check call uh, depending on the size of the bet. Uh, possibly coming from this rec player. A um, bit of a wreck player mentality that uh, if it's a big bet, uh, I don't know if I want to be calling to hopefully hit maybe another spade, hitting my gut shots a little bit risky, or, you know, less odds for that. If I get another spade, then I'm still I'm going to be inclined to want to call a, a river bet. I mean, sorry, a turn bet. And um, yeah, and if an ace comes again, I could be could have just been facing a, a standard C bet with ace king or, or ace. King Ace Queen Ace Jack, um, and I'm I'm well behind again. So yeah, check calling depending on the size of the continuation bet for me. 
Um, so what if I told you that our in this our hero leads for one point one million? Oh. And the, what was the the pot size? Because that was that a large pot. Was that a pot it's size a, bet? One point seven. It's a big bet because it's about one. Yeah, it's about one point six. Okay, so like seventy percent of a pot. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting, and, and, and I don't think it's a, a a bad thing to do. I think um, it applies some pressure immediately. Uh, it doesn't generate as much immediate fold equity as a check raise would, but it, then it, it doesn't jeopardize your stack as much. And it, it obviously, you know, with the ICM implications, um, it, it, it's, not, it's not a bad idea. Uh, I, I think you need a strategy. If you're going to make bets like this, you need an overall strategy which includes it. So you need to understand your range for leading the betting. And that's what's really important because you can have a, a, a player who's nicely balanced who never uh, dunk leads a flop here. And you can have a, a, a player who does it, you know, maybe 10, 20% of the time. And both can be perfectly fine as long as you understand which hands you're including in the range and how the rest of your ranges are, are built up. So, yeah, I mean, I'm okay with this. Yeah, I think I think it's a it's a good bold move, and I think what you said about having to plan ahead is the most important thing because you're you're putting that bet out there basically so that you can take the pot down straight away. Um, if you get called, when the turn comes, are you going to double barrel? If it's if it's a brick for you, um, if it's a brick for you, and you check face a bet, uh, yeah, or alternatively, you get raised by him after you you lead that one point one. And uh, you're not st- you're not standing too good then. So um, yeah, it's a, I think it's a bold move, and it's, it's in a way it's probably good throwing a few bigs out there out of your you know, thirty bigs that you started with. If it wins the pot, great. Um, you've chipped up a bit. Move on. If not, um, facing resistance or a call, and then if you don't improve, I'd be uh, finding a way out of that hand. Yeah, I'm kind of curious how you you know how you in some of those things where you're thinking about you're thinking ahead you're thinking about what is my line on the turn if I get called or you know in this case if you know if you get raised you, you just throw it away but you know I, I think there's there's we're always told you know we want to have a plan we want to have a plan okay and so in some cases again some opponents in some situations I'm going to want to bet flop and then continue again on a barreling again on on most turns that's my plan against some players in some situations with some chip stack sizes and in other spots, it's just going to be, boy, if I get called on the flop, I'm going to give up. And I'm kind of curious if, if there's sort of any just general guidelines that you might have. Is it, is it generally, is it the, is it the turn card? Is it the player? Is it the situation that where you start saying, Hey, what is my line here? Like if you're looking at this situation right now and you're saying, I'm going to fire flop. And if I get called, I'm going to do X on the turn. How do I decide if X is, firing again, or if it's just checking and giving up? Maybe if you improve. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Ben. I, I... No, I, I mean, obviously, if you if you the turn card, you know, you need right. to have a general concept yeah, of which sure, turn cards of, are going to be. Short of improving, I guess. Let's, let's assume that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking what's my overall strategy, assuming, I, assuming it's a, a blank of whatever whatever I determine a blank to be. <laughs> I mean, you need to be able to continue with enough hands and and, and on you know think about how, what all the possible turn cards are as a 
you know, and it's very yeah. difficult to do, but, but have a general concept of how many are going to be blanks, how many are going to be good for you. Um, in this particular hand, you have got the two diamonds on board, which is, is a little bit more difficult to, to generate as much fold equity. So moves like the check raise or, the, or, the, or, or leading the betting on the flop are a little bit more uncomfortable. And, you know, with a, a gut shot draw like this, backdoor flush draw, it's not one of your best drawing hands that you could possibly be holding. So if you're going to include this hand within either of those ranges for being a bit aggressive, then I feel like you need to think your opponent's going to fold too often because you're, you, from a GTO perspective, you're probably including a few too many hands in, in that range. Um, and there aren't going to be as many great turn cards and you're probably not going to be able to progress as often as you should be able to on the turn. And for that reason, I think it is really important that you understand your opponent's tendencies and you are confident you can make him fold uh, either on the flop immediately or, you know, with a, a continuation on the turn enough. Um, mm. Because if that player is going to stick around optimally um, or, or, you know, even just a little bit more often than you would like, then your situation could get really difficult in the rest of the hand. In sort of adding to that, when we're thinking about our opponent, how much, and this is one of the things I think I sometimes struggle with, I think I overthink what my image at the table is, how much do we put into consideration the fact that we've been so quiet that, um, you know, we've basically been folding for four eliminations and probably an hour of play. The final table hasn't seen us do much of anything. Uh, and we're up against uh, a platinum class winner who probably may be a very good player, but is just not as probably experienced as some of the other players at the table. How much of that goes into whether we choose to take a more aggressive line? Hmm. I was going to suggest that uh, the good thing about being in a live situation is that uh, if I put that lead bet out there, I'll be able to just watch my opponent and just see how comfortable he is in making the call or um, if he's even considering to re-raise. Sometimes you'll just get a distinct thing that he's very uncomfortable just making the call. And then I can start to think, okay, maybe he has an underpair and the right card on the, uh, on the turn just makes it perfect to put that one more bet out there because you know that he very, very reluctantly called that uh, flop bet. Uh, I, I've got much more experience in, in playing live than online, so online I, I probably wouldn't get those sorts of tells. But uh, mm. when you're talking about it being a platinum pass winner as well, rather than a, you know, a, a top pro that I know is going to be able to not give me any any uh, tells, uh, yeah, I'd... I, I, I can often use that and my image as as being a um, a solid rock hard kind of player. <laughs> that w when I do put a bet out there, you guys better know that I've probably got something. And um, and this might be one of those times when I don't. But um, it's been so long since I've put a bet out there. There's a king on the flop, and uh, maybe I can can take it away with the bet repping that king. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think you should be. A lot more willing to be aggressive um, because of your very tight table image. I think it's going to work to your advantage. Um, so you ought to be thinking about 
bluffing with a higher frequency. And whereas if you're, you know, if you've been super loose, you're you're just not going to get believed as often. Um, so mm. it, it is it is a big factor. I mean, how do you quantify that? I don't know, but um, I would be pushing more of my hands into the aggressive ranges. So yeah. Well, uh, the we lead out for 1.1 million and the cutoff does call us. Uh, and the turn is the 10 of hearts. So now we're, we're leading again, or we're, we're, what, what are we doing now with this? The, we've talked about what we do with what specific cards, what are we doing with this card? Yeah. So what do you think the cutoff is calling with? He's calling with, um, Flush draws is calling with a king. Is he calling with many other cards? Is he calling with smaller pairs? Um, is is he loose enough to call with just an ace high hand here? What's you know these are all the sort of questions you need to ask yourself. What's left in his range on on the turn, and uh, then assess you know how you're going to progress. Um, but the ten. Obviously, it hasn't helped us. It's not a good card for us. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's tricky. I, I mean, you want to be you want to be betting with a fairly high frequency, but um, yeah, I don't think this is a great card. So, mm, it's maybe one more shot, and then, but uh, yeah. <laughs> You can afford one more go at it. It's not like you're uh, in big trouble with the the stacks because the the I mean we've still got a decent amount left behind. So I think we can we can make another bet, but we're we're probably having to give up on the river. I don't see this as a triple barrel all in. Doesn't doesn't feel very good. Right. <laughs> yeah. And having to put in uh, a second barrel. Pot's about 3.6 million, half pot 1.8. You're looking at already putting in over over three million of your of your ten starting. And if this if this doesn't come off, you've just done a third of your stack, basically with a uh, ace five suited whiffing virtually whiffing the, the flop, nothing on the turn for you. Um, and does he have to have much to continue, um, or to put more pressure on the river? If he sees that you're weakened and you check here, then maybe yeah, he bets and takes it away. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too keen on the, the double barreling in this particular thing. If I'd improved a bit, if I'd picked up another spade, um, uh, yeah, maybe an ace uh, or especially the four, then yeah, yeah. My, my double barreling comes much more into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's worth leveraging that, that three million total that I've, I've put into the pot so far into what could become a, a much bigger size pot. Yeah. Um, if I think he's, if I think he's floating the flop really often, um, I might, you know, I might throw out one more attempt here, but I agree with me. It's just not a good card. If, if you, if you think your opponent is, has got a piece of this, which he probably has, um, it may be time to give up. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, Art. Oh, go ahead. 
Oh well, our hero, our hero does lead out. Our hero leads out for two point seven million, which is a very big, big bet. Um, and I'll go ahead. I, I'll, before I tell you, the the cutoff does call, but uh, what yeah. do you think of that that bet size? Uh, how much has he got left behind after it? Uh, let's see. He's got. Uh, that's a good question. We've we've put in. We, I mean, we've got to think about whether he's setting this up for. Um, yeah, five and a half, maybe five, five and a half. Uh, something like five points something behind. But he's, he's leaving himself less than what, you know, half a pot left or something behind with that size mm-hmm. of a bet. Because I think yeah. there's going to be nine, nine something, nine something in the pot. He's going to have like five left on the river. So he's not really setting himself up to have fold equity there. No. Yeah. So I'm not keen, really. Based on, I didn't realize the numbers were that. Yeah, there's a, a little bit more in the pot than I had thought. Um, I'm not keen. Merv? Oh, on, you, on you, you, you hate it. Merv's <laughs> Merv. <laughs> Come on, Merv, tell right us there. how you really feel. <laughs> You're pretty right there. Yeah, as soon as I get that call, I'm, uh, I'm you know, big, uh, swallowing the gulp, and uh, yep. there's a big chunk of my stack that's uh, potentially gone unless the magical four and preferably not the four of diamonds comes on the river um so yeah i'm i'm not liking that lead definitely not liking the call by the cutoff Uh, i would have preferred a a check and then yeah probably just about check give up that's me personally but so um, but he's going for it and he's um, putting the pressure on it's 75 percent uh size of the pot so if he's got that inclination or has just got that kind of feeling that he's just yeah, he's going to get he is going to get a lot of folds, folds here. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. he's going to get a lot of folds. So I mean, the bet itself, it, I, I'm not tooting on it, but it's not awful by any means. And it's more just a case of you know once he gets called, uh, it, like Mo says, he's he, he can't he he can't continue. That's it. That's it. Don't pull the trigger on a on a bluff on the river. It's not. It's just not going to work often enough. <laughs> well, I'd be curious if, if you're in the, if you're in the cutoff. What does that bet sizing mean to you? We talk a lot about bet sizing, and you know if you're in the cutoff and you know three point eight or whatever's in the middle, and the guy bets two point seven out of his seven million stack on the turn. Like what what? How do you read that? Like what what information, if anything, does that give you? Assuming that they're you know a thinking player, you can. Does that does that signal strength? Does it signal weakness? Do you, can you can you draw any sort of inferences from that, knowing that if you call, they have a half pot size better? I mean, how do you what do you do with that? Uh, no, no, no. I know. I mean, if you're playing online with people that you know very well, and you know that they have say certain bet sizes on uh, flush draw boards, then then you can make those inferences. But if you're just playing with someone for the first yeah. time on a, a, how can you, how can you really know what they're doing? I just, I think that bet sizing tells once you reach turn and river, nah, you just can't start reading too much into it. I don't, I don't subscribe to that at all. I think people get way too, uh, they, they believe too many things that just really aren't necessarily true. So I think you've got to be really cautious of that. So, so unless unless they've been you know betting thirty percent of the pot all the all the time and now all of a sudden switch it up unless they do something like that. Yeah, you need a sample size. Yeah, yeah. You need yep. you need you need you need solid information before you can start um, 
making sweeping judgments for sure. So, I mean, a 70% bet size might be this player's standard sizings. And, you know, a lot of players will make these bet sizes. But um, in modern poker, in these tournaments with 30, 40 big blind stacks around, most players are choosing 30, 40, 50% bets these days. So it is a large bet size. And it's not great for an ICM intense spot. Um, So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fan of the bet size, um, but from the opponent's point of view and the cutoff, it it does apply more pressure. And like I said before, unless he's got a king or a flush draw or something fairly de- decent here, then yeah, I think he's going to be folding a lot of hands. So uh, when he makes the call, I think that's it. You know, you, you've got to hit the river. All right. Well, how does this feel when he makes the call? We hit you the river. ace of clubs. <laughs> oh, that's the worst possible card to hit. <laughs> so, um, what to, what are we doing now? We've we've got a board now check, again. You uh, check prey. King of diamonds, you? three of diamonds, two of spades, ten of hearts, and ace of clubs. Um, I mean, is is your opponent calling with a king? I. I can't, but probably not based on this action. Well, then you have no value. Yeah. So, you, you know, if you're betting, you're betting for, for protection uh, to stop your opponent bluffing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're out of position and you're in trouble. <laughs> you should have folded pre-flop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, and one of this is like the that kind of spot where I think we've we've put ourselves in this position by by bloating this pot and by kind of leading these two spots here. Yeah. But I yeah. think I think we we probably have to hope that we just get check check and we win at showdown to a king. Yeah. Um but in real life we check and the cutoff jams. It's an easy <gasps> fold. We've still got about five. It's not an, it's not an easy fold. Mm. It's not an easy fold by any means. Um, uh, from a potter's perspective, you need to be able to win what twenty twenty five percent of the time to justify the call. It's not, you know you need to be thinking, okay, there's ICM, so you want to be winning a bit more often than that. But you, it, it, you need to. Think about your opponent, and is he capable of doing that as a bluff? Um, and what are the the bluffs here? Are probably most likely diamonds. Is that what we're thinking at yeah. this point? Most of them, yeah, yeah. I mean, he Unless could have he a similar sti- hand. He could have, like, he could have got you know. sticky with sixes or something. Uh, probably not in that turn. I mean, he's going to say on the fly, he could get stick, sticky there and turn it into a bluff, but probably not. In, he's probably not calling turn there. Oh. It's got yeah, all the suited ace, ace diamonds. So, um, yeah, it's just diamonds, isn't it? Really? And yeah, those are bluffs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. are you going to get called by worse? Uh, if, if, like, I, I just can't see. Yeah, it really hurt if you called this and they turned over. You know, ace seven of diamonds or something like that. <laughs> 
Mm. Yeah, and that That's could happen because right. some of it, some of his diamonds will have an ace. Yeah, right. So. Uh, that's a really good point, um, huh. and it, it, it maybe helps tip the balance in favour of finding that fold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Terrific. It, uh, I think you see it happen too often where you're hanging around in hands, and uh, yeah, you get to the river and then you hit a card, but that card happens to be the one that you don't really want to be hitting in hindsight. <laughs> so uh, sometimes it makes your straight and it makes the other guys flush. Uh, you've been hanging around for that open-ended, you finally get it, and uh, yeah, the other guy's been hanging around for the flush. So um, yeah, I, I just would have to really reluctantly find the fold and keep hold of my, what, now nearly... 20 bigs, 19 bigs, 18 bigs, somewhere mm -hmm. in that region. And, uh, yeah, just tighten up. Just probably mostly because of the, the ICM. When, uh, when Taylor mentioned before about having more players involved, that's a little bit different then because uh, you may really need to be trying to find a big stack to, to continue on with. Um, and this may be one of those spots where that player is also trying to find that and he thinks he might have just stolen a pot from you by this jam. But, yeah, in this ICM thing, you're already sitting on 1.3, so the next one's well, probably 1.9 or 2 million. So that's a big jump for uh, for a Platinum Pass player. So I don't think that they're going to be doing it with absolutely nothing or confidence that he can get you to fold. And, um, yeah, that's, I, I'm going to be finding the fold button after tanking for as long as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's a, actually a really good point about the, like it's based on our action and this bet sizing we've been putting into this pot that a platinum pass winner, you know, they're really like, are they really thinking they can get you to fold whatever they think you've been doing this with? Yeah, it's, it, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think I, I, so our hero does fold and he folds uh, the cutoff had King 10. Um, oh. so it was a good fold. Um, oh. but, um, I think probably we could have got ourselves into less trouble on that turn sizing. I think we'd have learned just as much with us with either a smaller turn sizing or a check on that turn. Um, but it's, I thought it's, it's an interesting hand because it's one where I think, uh, I find myself sometimes getting into trouble in these spots too, especially ICM spots where I've been sort of card dormant and i'm like okay i just i gotta make something happen and i get a somewhat pretty hand suited ace in the big blind okay i'm gonna do some stuff oh i got a gut shot i'm gonna you know and you kind of follow this cascade of things and suddenly you're in a real a real mm. trick tricky spot yeah yeah i'm curious, I'm curious you guys have thoughts oh, go, go ahead finish your thought ben I was just going to say the sizing, not just on the turn, but on the flop as well. You know, it's just the, the, the element of pot control that you need in these situations, um, unless you've got a really good reason. And I think here, you, you know, if it was a drier board where you're just saying, right, I, I want to find out if he's got a king or not, you know, um, you, you know, you can manipulate your, your bet sizings when you've got a really good reason for doing so. Um, but uh, it, as a general rule of thumb, probably the, the biggest takeaway from this is, you know, keep those bet sizings on the smaller side, sizing these uh, tournament spots, which uh, is very normal at 30, 40 big blind stacks. You've just got to be a little bit more cautious with the sizings. Exactly. And those, those two bets that you put in, 1.1 million, 2.7, 
if that 1.1 was initially closer to half pot, say 800,000, 850, uh, then the next bet closer to half, half pot again, yeah. your pot size now is 6 million and on the river you've got more than that. So his jam is, is yeah, uh, looking a lot different there. Is he going to jam? And maybe he would just put in a smaller bet and then, yeah. So I, I'm totally agreeing with that. Is that if you're if you're going to be fishing around with some uh, putting some bluffs in, I don't think you want to be doing them with bigger size bets at this stage of the tournament, out of position. Um, yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on, on this. It's sort of a creative line, but I just want your feedback. So let's say on the river, you know, there, there's nine million in the pot, and we have five million behind. Uh, what about what about leading out for one one point five million? Knowing mm-hmm. knowing full well, I mean, there we get called by a king. Uh, knowing full well, if we get raised, it's an easy getaway because we have to. They, our opponent has to imply that there's no fold equity. I'm, I'm just curious about that. I'm trying to I'm trying to think about um, those sorts of blocker bets a little bit in my game because I don't do it very often. I'm always looking for spots for that. I'm just curious if this is a spot. If we get re-raised, we still have twelve big blinds, and we continue the tournament. It's a very easy fold. We maybe get called by a king. You know, we're taking the bluffs out of their shoving range. I'm just kind of curious if I'm thinking about that as a possibility here or if this is not a good spot for something like that. Hmm. I would, uh, Eric, uh, urge not to do it just because of the, the flush draw on the board. I think that that uh, it makes it less attractive to me. Uh, uh. Yeah, see where I'm actually thinking. Isn't it uh, something that uh, some of the solver solutions have kind of started suggesting or I seem to be seeing them floating around where, um, yeah, some of these small size bets are enough to get the person off there. And and if they had been calling along with a a flush draw that's just missed on the river, maybe they just give up. And, uh, yeah, I I think it has to be a small size and yeah that's the, that's what i was thinking like mm. like okay so we don't we we take the, the i think we take the bluffs out of their range are we, are we on the river sorry yeah on the river on the river yeah oh, you know, sorry so, sorry yeah no so we hit the ace and so it's on the river you know so if if we bet you know million million and a half out of our five million if they if they raise we just know we're dead and we can easily fold and we still have chips rather than facing you know rather than if we check and they shove and now we have this horrible decision do do we fold or not and and I think, you know, it takes some of those bluffs out of the range. And I think we also maybe get called by a king there uh, if it's yeah. that small of a bet. So I just, yeah, I'm curious about that. Mm. Yeah, it's very logical. Um, like a 20% bet or something. Uh, mm. you, yeah, it, it's, it works well. It works well as a, as a small value bet. Um, I think you're right. You get called by a king. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a glorified check, but it... it it just makes his decision more difficult, and you know he's he's raising rather than just right. Just if he has if he has two diamonds, it. is he going to rip it in there? Is he going to is he going to turn two diamonds into a bluff there? I don't mm. think he would. That would be pretty. Mm. You have to have a pretty good read on me to do that. I think. Yeah. What uh, if you if you do that? What are what hands do you show up on this board where you're going to be able to call a shove? Because I think you, you, if you do that, you have to have. Are you doing this with pocket threes or pocket deuces? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing that with ace king, queen jack, ace ten. You know, sets. yeah, you can balance. You can balance it quite nicely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, looks, looks, it, well. looks, really, it looks very valuey, right? It looks very yeah. valuey. Yeah. Mm. It, 
Yeah. Good shout, Steve. I like that. Well, I, you know, I don't know. Well, there's, there's plenty of spots where they're, that's not appropriate, but I, I'm just trying to figure that out for my own game. Like, where does a blocker bet make sense? And this felt like maybe this is one of those spots. It's sort yeah. of a blocker bet. It's not of a value bet. It's sort of a all kinds of things going on there. Okay. And I love it. If, if you're on our podcast, you might have got a medal from Merv there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. That's that's a very good uh, point. I, I like it because it's it's the not the uh, you know, triple barreling all in on a bluff. Well, it's nearly a bluff. Um, you hit your race, but it's uh, yeah. You're well, I'll give I'll give some credit to Taylor. Taylor is probably not expecting this, but he's he's the one that sort of introduced me to this. I think it was, it was several months ago in one of our shows that we were doing hand history. You sort of mentioned something like this in one of these spots. I'm like. That is super interesting. I want to explore that a little bit. And so I've been doing a little bit of research on that. Mm, mm. Nice one, Tyler. Yeah. I've, I've unleashed the creativity in Steve. I love it. <laughs> I'm an analytical guy. I'm not allowed to have creativity. So this is what I do when nobody knows. Oh, yeah. Good stuff, Chris. Nice hand. Yeah, thanks. That was great. Yeah. Well, any other any other uh, thoughts on that, you guys? I know we're we're at time here already, but any any questions, any thoughts, any other insights from that hand or things that are coming out from anybody? Uh, I'm thinking maybe if if you find yourself in that spot with five left in a million dollar tournament, and you you've got an image of a of a rock, then you've got to find places to make make use of it because yeah, next you've been card dead already. Uh, you could be card dead for another half hour. So uh, this is one hand. It's a it's a nice suited card hand. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely want to be playing in this hand. Uh, so and and keeping an eye on the aggressor to try and pick up some tells of whether just how confident they are once that king comes down and uh, yeah, progress cautiously from there. Yeah, well, that's why I like Ben's idea of the check raise on the flop too. I think that that helps us locate where we're at i mean if they if they to keep mixing it up yeah. after that check raise then you're like all right well the gig is up versus now we're in this it's, spot where we're like who knows i think technically it's it's not a good spot to check raise just because of all the other draws that you could have and there's better okay. there's better hands but it's all about how often can you make your opponent fold you know that's the that's the key question and sometimes a check raise just auto profits you know um and it actually more often than than people realize so it's always a good question to ask because yeah. uh yeah, there's so many spots where opponents are just folding 90% of the time to a check raise. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't you? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, it's a, you said it's always a good question to ask. Here's another good question to ask as we wrap up. I want to honor you guys this time. But but folks that are listening in, they're like, man, I like these guys. Who's this Ben and Merv guy? Uh, tell our <laughs> folks where where can they find you? Because, you know, believe it or not, there are people that haven't heard of the Post Flop Poker Podcast. So no. uh, I know Jim's startled. The rest of us are startled. But – how, how do they get a hold of you? How do they t- how do they tap in? We're totally global. We've we, we've been downloaded in over 197 countries. Uh, sometimes only did you say once, over 197? Uh, yeah, that might. So be is that 198 then? <laughs> I, I, I never understood when people say over 197 because that means it's got to be 198, right? Otherwise, you would have said over 198. So <laughs> last time you looked, it was 198. <laughs> Taylor's like, go back to the creative side. This is your 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 nerdy logical side. <laughs> over over 17. Well, so 18. Okay. 
They can anyway, be balancing so the range there. You don't know that. They, they are. They, it's, it's right. So anyway, so you're, it's global. Everybody should know about you. But, you know, some of us are just crawling out of the out from under the rock. So uh, how do yeah. people connect with you guys? Yeah. Well, I mean, probably the simplest way uh, to start with, postwappoker.com. Uh, that's the website. There's an email um, contact request form there. Also, the uh, podcast. Postflop, uh, just on iTunes. It's on pretty much all of the platforms, I think. Um, Twitter as well. Uh, I've got a, I've got my Twitter. We've got the Postflop Twitter. I try and keep active on that and keep up with what's going on in the poker world generally. And um, yeah, ben, yeah, there's, you... there's uh, yeah, there's a store as well. I've got. Um, uh... I like to say I've got 13 books. Well, you have over 12 <laughs> to, books? To, yeah. To, yeah, yeah, I have. I've written a load of books. Um, but one of them is like 10 really short ones put together. 10 volumes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a coach for Red Chip Poker as well. So, um, yeah, you can you can get if – you, if you're a Red Chip member, you can see my stuff there. Um there's blogs at Post Poker. There's a video series as well that uh, um, is all about poker thought processes, which um, I'd, I'd recommend having a look at. Sounds yeah. good. Well, guys, I mean, I appreciate you guys jumping on here so much and figuring out the time schedules and all that stuff. It's just a pleasure to to get to know you guys a little bit more and get to hear your thoughts on that wonderful hand that Chris brought forward. So thanks for jumping on here. Yeah, thanks. It's been a real pleasure, um, guys. It's uh, been a long time coming in my mind of when we would uh, connect up, Steve. It, uh, it's all all falling into place now, and uh, I can't wait to connect up a bit more. I, I hopped on the, the home game just before the uh, podcast started, and uh, yeah, a couple of You were sitting didn't, out. Didn't I saw you were way. sitting out, man. To, what were you doing? I had to have a shower. Yeah. You've got to be clean when you're on a podcast, Ben. Uh, oh, I just screen? want to say... Uh, What's Astro your screen name? Astro247. Astro247. Yeah. Took right. a couple of bad beats on it. An under-the-gun razor with a th- suited three gapper that uh, drew out on me. And, uh, oh, what was their name? Let's call them out, man. What was the name? Oh, Can I, can I call them out? Uh, Heck yeah. I think it was uh, B-Dog. B-Dog. Oh, B-Dog. Brandon Kelsenberg. You just got busted right. by Merv Harvey. Oh. Let's go. <laughs> Bring it on. Your dad's not going to be happy, Brandon. I got, oh, I, got him, I got him back with a uh, – I had King Queen, <laughs> King Queen of Hearts flop, flopped into the flush. Uh, he also flopped the flush with Jack Nine. We Ooh. both played it uh, pretty tricky and uh, got it in on the river, and I, I got my money back from him on that hand. So, nice. <laughs> so cheers, big dog. Big, big dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for jumping on just, there. That, that's, that's super fun. Yeah, just, yeah, just before we go, uh, sorry, I just wanted yeah. to say, if, if anyone wants to have a listen to the Postflop Poker podcast – Steve was on episode 103. Yes. So yes. make sure you have a listen to that one because then you, you get all the things that you love all at the same time. Yeah. Right, right. That was, that was super fun to do for sure. Well, well, guys, uh, you guys can sign off. We're, we have some business we're going to take care of. Uh, you guys can feel free to, to leave the meeting and we'll be in touch. We'll make sure we do this again. It was fantastic. Uh, thanks ever so much, guys. As we say in Canada, a bientôt. A bientôt. They say that in France too, don't they? Um, and Morocco. There, there and might be something Korea related there. Yeah, Europe. that's a good one. See, Merv is so cultured. I love this guy. Happy that's birthday, right. Merv. You only turn 40 once. Enjoy it. <laughs> exactly. 55 is the new 40. <laughs> Take care, Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.
Well, there they go, guys. Fantastic stuff. Any uh, any thoughts on the backside of that, whether those guys are with the hand? They're just so much fun. They have a great time on their show. Almost as much fun as we do, I think. Yeah. Rob? Yeah, Merv and, Merv and Ben kind of get on each other during their show. I, I think you probably noticed that, Steve, when yeah. you're on it. Yeah. They they have a lot they have a lot of fun, kind of like we do, you know, a lot of fun. And I've I've listened to every single episode right from yeah. the beginning. So um yeah, I, I enjoy those guys. Yeah, they're fantastic. John, did you have something there? Oh, I was just gonna say it's great podcast. It kind of changed the format over the years. I mean the first few they were talking about like what do you do with a particular hand post flop? You know, how do you deal with ace king or queens post flop with different types of boards so they had a whole episode just on like how do you handle queens after the flop mm. it was pretty good still is still is a good Very, yeah for sure yeah and you know like for rec players man it's fun to it's fun to learn the game in the context of community and then they're they're some of the best at at bringing community to people so yeah support them listen to their stuff uh, they, they did mention, uh, Ben mentioned he's a, he's a coach for Red Chip Poker, and I just wanted to mention that if you've thought about using Red Chip Poker, we do have that code. Uh, if you use Rec Poker, if you go to redchippoker.com and use the code Rec Poker, uh, you do get one free week of core. Uh, so if that's something you have questions on, let us know. Uh, we do have a partnership with those guys, and you can get coaches like Ben out there. So so reach out to us on that deal. Well, guys, let's do a little uh, little round robin here. Uh, who's Who's got something? John, you got anything on the home games? Well, yeah, actually, I have uh, quite a bit of stuff on the home game. So first of all, just remember, uh, the main series are for that we keep track of player of the year points are the first and second Wednesday of each month. So that's going to be June 3rd and June 10th. Badoogie is going to be the next game in June. And there is a video <laughs> that is coming to help you uh, learn the rules of Badoogie. Um, and, and, and that of course, video should be up. That video should be up tonight or tomorrow. John's already given it to me, produced it. So uh, if you don't know anything about Badoogie, get out there to the YouTube channel and check it out. Yep. And you can find that on the home game page on rec.poker. Yeah. There'll be a link to that eventually as well. Maybe take me a day or two. But uh, then we, have, of course, had our Tournament of Champions, the very first mm-hmm. one that we had, the very first silver pin. And the winner of that was none other than Graphic 16, Roger Shoot. So nice job, he is Roger. The, uh, the winner of the very first silver pin. Um, and then, of course, we had our mixed game this week, and it was not Mike Patrick that won against all <laughs> odds, you know. So uh, Jeffrey Jefferson Kufenberg won the mixed game, Omaha 8, Marbles Jam, and took down the uh, mixed game that night. Yeah, you know, and he called his shot, John. He, he was on Facebook, and he said, this is my favorite game. He said, I think I'm going to win this thing tonight. He called his shot. And he made it happen. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's amazing. So, from and now we all on, thought we all thought Mike had the whole Canadian uh, factor working in his favor for the mix game there, but Marbles beat him out. What a pro! Yeah, yeah you guys are sort absolutely. of slacking anyway. The Canadians are sort of slacking. I only have there's only 14 more days I have to dodge, uh, and you guys are like one, two, maybe three of you are showing up to play each night. So it's like. I'm, this mm-hmm. is never going to happen. I'm, I'm not I hear it. Anymore. I hear what you're saying. Now, I wanted Merv to win one tonight because you said if a non-American won in the month That's of May, true. that was going to be enough to put you over the edge. I was rooting for Merv. 
14 yeah, days actually, of Dodge. You know, I think from now on, just to keep it up, I'm calling my shot. I am winning every tournament from now in perpetuity. So if I ever win a tournament, I called my shot. That is a baller play, John. That's a baller yeah, play. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, May 11th for the social distancing series, we have Megra 44, Doug Drabeck won. On May 12th, some dude named Poker Geek MN won. On, again, he's just glossing yeah. over another victory. Nice job, John. Thanks. Uh, May 14th, Shamu Asterisk 27140, <laughs> Roger Lamp won. On May 15th, Roadstar 33, Randy Smith won. On May 16th, Graphic 16 won, Roger Shoot. And on May 17th, MDLS and Oval won. <laughs> I don't know. Whoever you are. No, yeah, I, whoever that, you are. They were at my table. I remember I was playing last night and they were to my right. I think they took me out of the tournament, actually. So thanks a lot, MDL. You're making it tougher for all those Canucks out here. <laughs> yep. So uh, we need your name, that by the way. So send your yeah. uh, information to Steve, and we'll get your name recorded there too. And of course, all of you have won a bronze pin if you haven't already won one for the social distancing series in 2020. And and the bronze pins literally just got mailed out today. Just today they got mailed out. Now you Canadians are gonna have to wait a little while longer. I just. I just send them, send them across. They said it might be like two, three weeks to send stuff. So who knows? They it's are a little longer for us to get like movies and TVs and gasoline and stuff too. So don't worry. Apparently, apparently. So there's, so Canadians couple, three weeks, but the, the rest of you should be getting them within a, within a couple of days. So congratulations, everybody. Well, yeah, I heard they just got up to, you know, having uh, PCs with flat screen <laughs> monitors. They just got rid of the CRTs, right? That's it. Yeah, it's, it's going to change the way we do home offices, which is good because we're going to get COVID-19 in about 15 years at this rate. <laughs> nice. How about you, Mr. Jones? Uh, yeah, well, on the member side of things, uh, we're still in May, so we're talking about um, ICM tournament stages and multi-table tournaments, so that's really exciting. And We're getting ready for June where we're going to be doing all our discussion about three-betting. Um, so those, I'm really excited for our June content. We're just uh, kind of getting prepared to get that all pushed out and recorded. Um, and then I think also maybe, uh, Steve, do you want to talk about the, the the play and learn? And like, there's some exciting guests and members getting access to that. So I think that's really cool too. That's coming Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this. So it's actually Wednesday is going to be our first one, May 20th. We're, we're calling it the play and hang. We're still kind of figuring out what's the right name for this thing. Uh, basically, it's it's a play and hang, which means uh, inviting. Uh, we're going to invite seven people to play in a one table tournament with myself. Uh, so it'll be eight of us actually playing, and then we're going to have a few pros stopping by from time to time to hang out with us. So we're going to be playing on the Poker Stars, uh, just a free home game, and then we're going to have a Zoom meeting going on where we got the nine box going, so we can all see each other chatting. And um, and we've already, we just made the announcement uh, of who's going to be. Uh, at this thing, but we're the pros are going to stop by, so we're going to actually have so Lexi Gavin's going to come hang hang out with us in the Zoom meeting from seven forty five to eight thirty Central Time. 
she's going to be hanging out. And then Maria Ho, she's going to stop by from like 8.30 to 9 and just hang out with us. So they're not going to be playing at all. They're just going to be chatting with us on the Zoom thing. If you have any questions, whatever. And then there'll be a little half-hour break. And then somebody named Chris Moneymaker is going to come on and hang out with us for a half hour. So it's just going to be this blast. And so we're going to be playing poker, but most of it's just going to be chatting with each other. And so, you know, we did a Twitter contest, a Facebook contest for all of this stuff. Uh, we drew the names. We sent the stuff out today. I don't have the list in front of me or I'd share it with you. Maybe I'll find that while you guys are chatting uh, to let everybody know uh, who the lucky folks are. But yeah, as we go forward, uh, the intent is that that'll be something that will, if you're a, if you're a paid member at Rec Poker, uh, you'll be put in a drawing and then we'll, we'll select folks each month to do that. And we've got a number of pros that have said, yeah, I'd stop by and hang out with you guys. So uh, I think this is something we're going to do and we're going to continue. And then we will record it. Uh, and we'll make it available to our members to to kind of to watch and enjoy. So that's uh, super fun. I'm, I'm super excited about it. So the uh, player, you want me to give you the names of the people who you have them? won? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, John. Chad, Chad McBean, Kian Tavolke, yeah. J.B. Bird, Mark Wittig, Colin Anderson, Mike Patrick, and Kelly Stork. Uh, some of the oh, big hitters awesome. here at Rec Poker. That's going to be know. great. There's some big hitters there. So it's going to be really fun. I'm just, I'm super excited about it. Uh, yeah, John, thanks for pulling it up. Appreciate that. Uh, uh, Jim, is there anything with, uh, to learning with partners? You want to give an update on there since Andrews wasn't able to make it tonight? Yeah. Yeah. He was busy. Um, we're all pretty busy over here. The stuff we're putting out together, but Andrew's been doing a great job with these learning with content partners on the second and fourth Wednesday of every month at six thirty uh, uh, central time. You can get in there and uh, he's going to take you behind the curtain of some of the great training sites in poker right now. I'm not sure what he has lined up for next week, but I know uh, I would go and check it out if I wanted to learn more about some of these advanced training techniques from some of our content partners. It's one of the, it's one of the things that I enjoy most about um, our site. We've got all these great seminars and features going on and uh, uh, it's exciting to be a part of it. It's so cool, right? Because last time we did, we did like a 15 minute segment from Red Chip Poker, like their premium content. We did a 15 minute chunk from Solve for Why, their premium content. And that's all, all included in your Rec Poker membership. So there's no additional charge for, for that. So it's pretty, pretty sweet deal. Rob, you got anything on the books, book study that's coming up? Um, we're starting to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. What, are, what Jim, are we thinking? I guess Jim has been leaking a little bit of news on this already. <laughs> I blew it. I, I blew it. He said. It was Keto <laughs> Man and it was Keto Man and Illy Chippies. They held a gun to my Illy Chippies. Take the knife away. Jill. Uh, we're talking about we're gonna be doing um a book study using the game plan by Matt Mantros. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah. So uh very, very fun guy talking to him. Um, great book. I've started reading it, so that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> I believe, if I'm not wrong, I believe our first poker study will be on June 17th. Is that right? Yep. And so the first day, we'll just kind of do an intro to the book, get everybody familiar with uh, the process and how we're going to go through it. And I believe we have a couple copies or PDF copies of the book that we're going to be giving away. And I'm not sure of the details of that yet. I think Jim was working that out, but we plan on giving two copies away to um, some listeners. So hopefully it'll be a fun time. Yeah, he's given us two copies to give away whatever contest we want to do, and Jim will figure that all out. Uh, but then also, uh, if you want to be part of the book study, uh, if you're a member, you can watch all the recorded stuff later as well. But uh, you can order it on Amazon or uh, Matt has made PDFs available for 15 bucks a piece. 
uh, and I'm just going to manage all of that so we can save you know all these transaction fees. So if you want uh, to get a PDF copy of it, uh, just reach out to me, Steve at rec.poker. Uh, I'll have you just send me 15 bucks. I'll get the PDFs from Matt and I'll send one back to you. Uh, that way you save a little bit of money off of the Amazon price. But yeah, I'm excited about it, Rob. Thanks for doing that. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Say, say, so Taylor has a little bit of news. Um, I, I'm pretty fired up about your news. Uh, what, what do you want to share yeah. here, man? So um, our friends over at Learn Pro Poker have been holding a contest. Uh, so they've had uh, some home games that they've been hosting with uh, monthly standings. And then the every month, the top 20 moved on to the semifinals. And then uh, they're going to have a finals where the winner of the finals earns a, a staking deal in a $10,000 uh, event at a series where it would be the, the main uh, event that would be happening at, at a series of poker playing that all the world would be attending. It's not affiliated right. with anything, but no, um, it doesn't it's, seem like it. it's, if you can think of potentially a $10,000 event that you'd want to uh, potentially play in that the whole world was, uh, that's what the, the staking deal would be for. Uh, but they've been doing this long process uh, for their members. Uh, this past weekend, they had a uh, hundred people that had won in the previous months competing with the top eight moving on. And on Saturday, May 23rd, so depending on when you're listening to this, uh, hopefully this Saturday, uh, the final eight will be competing and if you decide to tune in, they're going to be streaming it on Twitch uh, so you can live watch the final table. Feel free to uh, be cheering for commenting uh, for the player named Jinch, J-I-N-C-H. Uh, <laughs> us at Rest po- Rec Poker will be uh, cheering him on. <laughs> oh, my God. We're going we're to be railing you like crazy. So this is Taylor, obviously, if you read between the lines. So Taylor went through this arduous process. All their members playing all these tournaments keep advancing, gets to the top 100, then the top eight advance to this thing. So, so yeah, so Taylor, man, Taylor, we're all just fired up. Like, I'm more excited than it would be if it was me, honestly, uh, because there's less pressure. Uh, but, like, five days from now, uh, Taylor's going to be playing for a $10,000 staking deal. Uh, is that accurate? It's a $10,000 staking yep. deal, I assume, yep. right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, pretty pretty sweet. So, congratulations, Taylor. I mean, obviously, you've you've added a ton of value to my, my own game, to the games of the people that have been, you know, impacted by your work here at Rec Poker, and so uh, it's fun to see your hard work and the dedication of the game pay off. And uh, man, I'm I could not be happier for you. Hey, one one out of eight. Let's just do it. Let's just do. Why not? I mean, why Let's not just, you? Yeah. Right. I mean, you. you no one else at Rec Poker right? made There's... the final eight. There were there were some good people from Rec Poker that uh, hey. had made the final hundred uh, that I was cheering oh. for. Um, so I, our Diesel and. Um, Rick Berry, Jasper Jr. in the home game. Oh, Pat Berry, uh, yeah, fantastic. Had made it. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't make the top eight. Uh, so yeah. all their support uh, should come to me. Nice. We're, we're well <laughs> represented there. And and we have a great relationship with Learn Pro Poker. Ryan LaPlante a huge uh, friend of the show. We're a friend of his uh, as well. We do have a deal out there. Like if you want to get you know sign up and be part of Learn Pro Poker, there's a great deal. Go to rec.poker slash resources. But uh, you know that opens up these opportunities like Taylor had. Uh, as a member at Learn Pro Poker to start playing in these tournaments uh, and eventually win the staking deal, which I've never heard of a, a content provider doing anything like this. It, it's uh, truly innovative. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not playing for $10,000, but I do, I, I did win a bronze pin. So 
uh, I feel like we're sort of on par here. Yeah. But anyway, similar, similar to winning the bronze pin, it's like first place is bronze pin, uh, nothing else for second place. So I got to go get that bronze pin. Yeah. <laughs> well, you already have a couple, so because <laughs> I, I know that be... because I mailed them out today. <laughs> ah, exciting! Uh, they will be streaming it on Twitch. Um, yeah, it'll probably be through Ryan Laplant's Twitch channel, which I believe is Potential MN. Um, mm-hmm. If you're interested in going there, you can you know find him on Twitter. Uh, find myself on Twitter. Uh, we'll be sharing that information. Uh, time on Saturday is TBD at this point. Um, we just wrapped it up yesterday. They're trying to figure out the details as we speak. Uh, but Saturday, it should be happening. Uh, but yep. stay in tune well, on sure social make, media. Yeah, make sure you uh, either post it or get the information to me, Taylor, if you can. And you know, we'll put it out there on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, maybe we'll do a special twerp newsletter. Make sure everybody knows about what's out there, and you know, maybe we can get some some Zoom meetings going if people want. We can kind of rail you together and uh, kind of hang out as we as we watch Taylor uh, go from eight to seven to six to five to four to three to two to one, and Ginch takes it down. So uh, pretty sweet, man. Good good luck, and I know you've been uh, you've been preparing, and that'd be a whole other conversation. Is how do you prepare when you know who your opponents are going to be and you have a week to plan? So uh, mm-hmm. that'd be a great topic of conversation sometime in the future. So uh, way to go, Jim. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? I know you've got a million things going on. Well, we just had a huge day. I, I, we sort of leaked last week that we're putting the finishing touches on the new website, and today was a big day for that. We made some great progress. I am over the moon uh, with how we're coming along. We're going to get some uh, some people in there this week to help us see all the little spots that we're missing, but this new website's going to be great, and I just cannot wait to uh, un- unleash it on, on all you <laughs> Rec Poker Nation because you're going to get a big kick at it. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's super easy to easy to use and it's super fun and it looks good. And man, we're going to have all the content very easily accessible for all of our members and different membership tiers. And uh, it's fantastic. Well, anything else for the good of the order, gentlemen? I know it got to be a long, long episode, but a lot of really good stuff happening at Rectop Poker. So, and you know, and Merv and Ben are too good. To, we can't cut them off. Too good. You know what? Actually, it just occurred to me. I was that MDL guy, the person that won the home game last night. I'm not sure they were American. Well, I'm just thinking something. I don't know who they are. I don't know who they are. But I seem to remember the person to my right. I made some comment about how if they were, if they also weren't from America. Okay, well, we're gonna have to do some detective work here. Yeah, John, Steve's, Steve's Steve's deleting. Steve's in there deleting I, database I'm, entries. I'm changing right the now. flags right now. Yeah, that's speak. right. <laughs> You're gonna see like crayon Canadian. If we turn this upside down and. Wow. Keep on talking. Okay. I'll look it up. Let's let's yeah, no, let's leave him up. hanging, folks. Let's leave him hanging for a week. Oh. We're gonna we're gonna see what's going on. We might get Steve singing. Oh my god! No, I thought. Okay, well we'll see. We'll see. I, we'll see. I do not know. What's I don't the know Mexican the national is. anthem? We might need to do a matinee performance. Oh man! What was the other one? I promised I would do was an Australian. It was for if, Australia. One for Merv. But if, even, if even Merv won, so I said I'd sing the Australian one too. But I they're from Mexico. No. Oh, 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 oh yes, yes, yes. I don't know that. Yes, I knew. It. John, we are did. you kidding? Uh, no, I'm Canada. not kidding. I'm totally serious. Oh, Jim's oh, gonna say. Oh, Steve. Oh boy. Well, mm. the World Series isn't gonna happen. So mm. I guess we're out of the. Oh, okay, we'll figure Steve, out that plan. That makes sense. We can find ways to make this happen. This. Sandoval Ooh. is a. Is a Mex is a Spanish speaking name, right? Sandoval. It is. 
Uh, it's not yeah, sand know. oval. Uh, it's it's sandoval. Sandoval. It's sandoval. The last name. Is this, did somebody bring in a pro to make this happen, or what? maybe? If, <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if they don't give us their name, does it actually count? Oh yeah, maybe they're just like VPN. <laughs> I'm looking for loopholes now, you. man. Oh man. Well, uh, okay. Well, we gotta hear from this person. Whoever this person is, they they have to tell us. Sorry, John. I said, whoever they poker stars thinks that they're from Mexico. We know that. For sure. <laughs> so, well, I'm a man of my word. I mean, we'll, we'll figure this thing out. I, I, what I said is if, uh, if a non-American won a, one of our home games every single month in 2020, uh, I will sing Oh Canada on the streets of Vegas. Now uh, there may need to be a different alternative or whatever, but uh, we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll do it. Uh, I did. I cannot believe that that happened. That's, that's actually pretty impressive. I'll just say Zoom has the, all you, all those alternative backgrounds, so we can just have you singing with a photo of Vegas behind you. I think it'll be that would probably be less embarrassing. <laughs> Mark, I don't, I don't know. Oh. I could maybe try to lip sync it. I could see. I could try to fool you guys that way. Well, when you first said it in January, oh my god! Crazy. To increase the embarrassment factor, you know, we could dress you up as an Elvis impersonator and then oh. you know with the uh, background of Vegas and go all there, out. There's going to have to be something else and there's going to be something else in the mix for that deal. Like I agree to sing O Canada, <laughs> not the Elvis impersonation. Wow. Well, that, that's really cool. I mean, congratulations to Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Sandoval or whatever your name is, but uh, that's pretty cool. And congrats. I mean, you know, Mike Patrick carried you guys. I mean, at the end of the he day, did. let's just, let's just face it. Patrick we won we should, we should have Mike on the pod. We should have him on yeah. so we can tell him how much we appreciate him up here north of the border. One of the, one of the true maple bros. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, this, this again, we're like an hour and a half. It's like a record podcast. So I'm going to just shut us down on that little uh, ending bad news that I just had. Uh, well, anyway, guys, check out rec.poker. Uh, go there. All the information out there. Reach out to me if you have any specific question. Thanks to Running Aces, Racetrack, Casino, and Hotel. Thank you to Learn Pro Poker. Thank you to Website Amp. Uh, we love what we're doing here and appreciate your support and making it happen. And we will chat with you next week. <laughs> <laughs>